Hello and welcome to Fields Church. Today we have Mark speaking on garbage in, garbage out. But first, we have a message from Josh, one of our volunteers at Christian Youth Ministries, giving us an update on what's next for CYM. Morning everyone. This is Humphrey, by the way. That Hopefully you'll understand why I've brought Humphrey in a moment. Um, there we go. Um, so I'd just like to start by asking you a couple of questions to think about before um, I get going. So what did you see when you left to come here this morning? And will that be any different when you leave here later? So the reason I ask these questions is that for us at CYM, we've had, like a lot of people, a great opportunity to stop, reflect, and consider who we are, who we see, and ultimately what we do. CYM, or Christian Youth Ministries, for those of you that may not have heard of us before, are a Christian group whose current vision, for a few days at least, is to be a positive Christian presence wherever we are. We're Ipswich-based and have been in existence for nearly 40 years, um, whose traditional focus has primarily been on working with children and young people. At the beginning of this, I want to say a massive thank you to all of you as a collective for your collective financial and your prayer support for our work. Um, But at the moment, currently, our work just looks like chaplaincy, but it is a big but because there are some extremely exciting developments and additions coming very, very soon. Hence, perhaps my slightly strange start about the vision. More importantly, though, than what we do, we have spent a good amount of time listening and discerning what is next in our new season. And that means new, fresh vision for us. All in all, this feels like a pivotal page-turning season for us and how we collaborate with others. So two things to get into your diaries. If you haven't seen our social media, next this coming Friday, the 3rd of September, 7.30 at Vauxhall Farm, is when we are officially launching our new vision... Plus, we are announcing all of our exciting new things coming from 2022. And from September the 18th to the 26th, hence Humphrey, three of us from our team are travelling to Morocco to walk around 100 kilometres through the Sahara Desert. Myself, Simon Scott and Rob Hinsey are taking on this challenge to raise money for CYM. And thank you, Steve, for describing what it's like walking in the sand. (laughs) Um, So thinking back to those questions I asked, let me share some of the things we are believing for from our vision, but also from the money that we raise from the trek. So we're believing for a consistent Christian presence in every educational setting in Ipswich. But why not believe for more? We're believing literally in a safe space for fun, relaxation, relief and space. Psalm 84 beautifully describes God's temple being such a place where even the birds make their nests and the writer pours out their hearts saying, I'd rather stand at the gate of God's temple than be anywhere else for a thousand years. So in contrast to how many of us may view residential work, We are believing for such simplicity and such space for Jesus to be encountered. We're believing in collaboration with others where we want to invest and support as many ministries and churches in our communities as we can, sharing resources, offering support, inspiring others and actively praying for others too. We're believing in demonstrating joy to all those that we meet. Those of us that believe in Jesus are filled with joy, a response that is higher than our feelings. We're believing ultimately, though, in all of this for God's kingdom to grow. We want to invest in generations 
but also be known as worshippers, known for our obedience, which comes from being inspired by Jesus. Believing for these things and so many other things is important because they are all belief in hope. And I hope you agree that actually the world that I see, the people that I see in our communities need hope more than ever. The stark reality is there are thousands of people in our community many may not see or choose not to invest in. We hear stories of children moving from care facility to care facility. One young person living in a house that is so overcrowded that it's no longer sanitary. Children as young as 10 in primary school being used for drug runs in county lines. Identity confidence issues, discrimination. But those closer to home, perhaps, those feeling stressed, overworked, uninspired, anxious, confused, disillusioned, those just needing a proper rest, and those feeling alone. Now, I grew up in the Salvation Army, and a couple of previous Salvation Army global leaders, General John Gowans and General John Larson, wrote several musicals. And in one of them, two older characters come onto the stage and explain the difference, the care, the investment, but most importantly, the knowledge that they are seen and that they had noticed have made on their lives. And it's followed by a song that Gowans wrote that I think is so challenging and emotive, but weirdly encouraging as well. And it says, do you sometimes feel that no one truly knows you and that no one understands or really cares? Through his people, God himself is close beside you, and through them, he plans to answer all your prayers. Someone cares, someone cares, someone knows your deepest need, your burden shares. Someone cares, someone cares, God himself will hear the whisper of your prayers. Now, I don't want to end there because in some ways that's like saying Jesus is dead without hope of the resurrection. But we know he is not dead, but very much alive. See, I think there's a big misunderstanding in Psalm 84 that I used earlier. We don't need to go to a temple to be absorbed by those things that are described because we are the temple Jesus lives in us, and wherever we go, he goes. So, let's briefly review what we have seen just over the last 12 months at CYM. Feedback from chaplaincy last year alone saw 40% of all responses comment saying they had either thought about for the first time or thought more positively about Christianity because of the chaplaincy presence. We have seen chaplains collaborate with local churches to provide toiletries to those that need them. We've seen young people feel able to open up to chaplains rather than anybody else. Staff are demanding more chaplaincy hours in their school, actually more, more chaplains full stop in their school. Chaplains are no longer considered visitors, but integral parts of the community. We saw five children as a minimum come to Jesus at our latest children's weekend. We already have two additional weekends in the diary for 2022, a football camp in the diary, and schools booked onto a school trip with us, but despite not really knowing what we're doing, but have been patiently waiting for something new to start because they've told us there's nowhere else that shows love and care like we do. These are the people that we see. There is hope and it lives in us all. So we can all still believe in hope for our world, our communities, because we are all inspired by Jesus and we can all invest in the generations that we meet. So to conclude, firstly, Vision Night this coming Friday, 7.30 at Vauxhall Farm. Come and invest and be inspired with us. You will need to sign up for free and the Eventbrite links are on our social media platforms or I can take email addresses at the end and forward those on to you. And secondly, 
prayerfully consider if you would like to personally financially invest in our vision by sponsoring our Sahara Trek in less than three weeks' time. So you can do this by visiting our website on the support section or you can find the links again on our social media pages. So thank you for allowing me to share with you this morning and I hope to see you on Friday. Thank you, Josh. Uh, I guess many of you know, but maybe not everybody knows, that we, we support CYM as a church and, and have done for many years. Uh, I'm just going to pray over that whole venture, actually, for me. So, Father God, I just thank you for this, um, uh, this vision. A vision comes from you, and, Lord, we just pray that we thank you for the opportunity of lockdown, even just to refocus people's minds. Let's use it as a potential and not as a not as a negative thing let's see what can come out of this uh we thank you for the strength and training that the, the team have put into their sahara trek um, to raise money and we just pray lord that that project will be very successful we just pray lord for the money to come flood flooding in it's money that's your money anyway we're just giving it back to you but lord we just pray that people will feel generous and feel convicted to give um, we just pray your your safety over them and their families in jesus name amen um, I have the privilege now of inviting up Mark. Um, probably, as every just just because he'll need a moment and you'll need a moment to, to get ready. Do you want to have a quick stretch for for a, a two minutes, and then we'll um, we'll get going. Okay, thank you very much. If you want to make your way back to your seats, don't you just love being God's house? My, that was poor. Oh, the pastor's not happy. That was apparently. Don't you just love being in God's yeah. house? Yeah. That's better. That's better. So I've got the real privilege of introducing uh, Mark to you, a brother, a son of this house, a brother to me in this in the um, biblical sense. So we pray. Um, I'm going to pray for him now. He's going to be talking about garbage in, garbage out, which is one of my favourite expressions. Being in computing, I'm very excited by this. I'm hoping he's going to talk all about computers. Apparently, he's not. But uh, I'm just going to pray for him. Father God, thank you for this, this man, uh, this man who's, sh who's shown me a lot of wisdom, this, this man who has a message on his heart. I just pray, Lord, you'll just bless uh, Mark. I just pray you'll help him to, be, uh, to express your words to this, this um, community. And I pray, Lord, that we will hear your spirit, Lord, and your, your will. Th and through Jesus' name, we just pray this. Amen. 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 One of the songs that was sung earlier um, was talking about breakthrough. So I'm hoping, I'm praying, and I'm sure what God wants for us this morning is breakthrough. Um, because what we're talking about is really, really important. Now, I spend most of my time at work stood up in front of hundreds of people talking. Um, and it's about quantity surveying, which I see as quite important. But as Bill Shankly once said, yep, ex-Liverpool football manager, he said, um, football isn't life and death, it's more important than that. <laughs> now, I think he was wrong, but quantity surveying is important, but it's not exactly life and death. What we're talking about this morning is life and death, so it's more important. So what I'm talking about is more important than quantity surveying, it's more important than what I do during the week, which is probably why I need a wee. So, let's just pray. Father God, I pray this morning for breakthrough. Lord, I pray that you will help us to listen to what you have to say to us. Lord, I pray for open hearts. Lord, I thank you that you help us to hear what you want to say, that we will leave here different to how we came. Amen. So, garbage in, garbage out. I'm old enough to remember when my high school got a computer and the computer had a room. <laughs> and there was one computer and you had the maths teacher who used the computer. And that was it. So, I stayed away from that because I was a little nervous. So, carry on, went to work and... Um, 
I worked and it involved mathematics. So I had a calculator and bits of paper and a pencil and I did lots of maths. Um, only simple stuff, adding, taking away, multiplying, dividing, can't do any more than that. Um, but then we, in the office we got a computer. And I thought, wow, so I was able to put all these numbers in the computer. And these printouts came out. Now, those of you who are old enough will remember big sheets of paper with green stripes, holes down both sides. You could barely see what was on them. So I put all this stuff in the computer, and out came the answer. And obviously, I thought, well, it's a computer. The answer's going to be right. No. The answer was equally as wrong, just to more decimal places, and much quicker. <laughs> because the computer could only put out what I had put in. The computer could only produce what was in there. And it's the same with us. We can only speak out, we can only give out what's in, what's in us. Sometimes Cindy and I will be out walking, and we'll be walking and there'll be a moment of silence, and all of a sudden I'll start singing the theme tune from Trumpton. <laughs> or I'll point out that the League Cup final in 1976, when Manchester City beat Newcastle 2-1, Peter Barnes scored the first goal, Dennis Stewart scored a blinding bicycle kick for the second goal, and she's like, I worry about what's in your head. <laughs> And occasionally, you know, I'll just start humming the tune, which is like the third track on the second side of the classic 1972 status quo album, Pile Driver. Oh. <laughs> and there's all sorts of stuff in there. And I'm hoping one day I'll be on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and that one bit of completely useless toot that's in my head will eventually be useful. So we all have lots of stuff in our head. Now, one of the things which is in my head constantly, generally once a week, is when I fill my car up with fuel. So when I first started to drive, I had a petrol car. And my first few cars were petrol cars. Then I moved over and I got a diesel car. So for ages, I'd, go, I'd park the car, I'd go to the pump, I think, oh, Right, diesel, diesel, black one, right, black one. Put it in, check, okay. Now I've gone back, I've had a couple of diesel cars, now I've got a petrol car. So guess what? And now I'm a bit older, so I'm a little bit more uncertain. <laughs> so it's right, go up there, go up there, green one, green pump, green one, green one, put the green one, put the green one in, just double check, right, what's the number on the, on the, the price there? Yeah, the price matches there, yep, green one. What's it say on the inside of the cap? Yep, green one, green one, right, I'm fine. <laughs> I was looking up the other day, um, and actually, I'm reasonably safe. The people with a problem are those who have a diesel car, and if they put petrol in it, because apparently it's something about the size of the hole in the car and the size of the nozzle, and it's much more difficult to put inappropriately put diesel in a petrol car. It's easier to put, yep, looking at each other, yep, been there, done that. <laughs> it's a lot more difficult, um, or it's a lot more problematic to do it the other way around. So I was reading, and I thought, well, what happens if uh, someone were to put petrol in their diesel car? Now, apparently, it's generally okay, expensive, but generally okay, if you put petrol in your diesel car, but you don't drive away. Apparently, if you realise that at the pump, you can call a nice man, who will come, well, man or lady, who will come along and will empty your car, charge you a couple of hundred pounds, but will empty your car, no harm done, you're an idiot, you feel very embarrassed, but nonetheless, your car still goes. The problem lies, apparently, if you drive away. Because if you drive away, the, the petrol in your diesel car will get into the workings and will screw everything up. Our minds are like that. 
You could have a quick thought, you might have a bit of nonsense in your head, but that's okay. It's when it's dwelt upon, it's when it becomes an integral part of you, it's when it's going around in your system and you become what you think. So I want to think this morning about a few things that we might think. I want to read a few bits from the Bible and I want to look and see how that might apply to us. And I want us to be open, I want us to be honest. I may say a few things later on which might be mildly uncomfortable. Which is possibly why Richard said, can you do this on a date when I'm here? (laughs) (coughs) Not on a date later when I can't get my my crook and hoist you off. But nonetheless, we're going to go for it. I can run faster than you. (laughs) So what sort of... Oh dear, Josh is there. (laughs) Um, What sort of thing do we think? Sometimes we may think... I'll never fit in, no one's interested. So some people in their thinking, they'll think, I don't fit in. I just don't fit in with wherever I am. I don't fit in within the church. I don't fit in in the area I'm in. And maybe you've been told things, maybe you've thought things, and you think, actually, I don't fit in. Let's have a look at Mark chapter 1. I'm going to read a bit. I'm going to read a few bits. So, Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. Instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. So let's just think about that leper. That leper was excluded from society. That leper was avoided. That leper didn't fit in. Lepers had to wear torn, ripped, old clothing. It was obvious that they were outcasts. They had to stay separate. They had to announce the fact they were arriving. That meant everyone could avoid them. They were excluded. They didn't fit in. Was Jesus put off? Did Jesus say, no, 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 I'm sorry, you are beyond the pale? You are not part of society because of the way you dress, because of what you've got, because of who you are. No, he didn't. Jesus cleaned up the leper. We may have thinking which says, I'll never fit in. No one's interested. Jesus is interested. If you think about that story, the leper came unclean. Now, I've watched lots of adverts over the years. Now, we we can wash in Persil, and apparently it's got all new ingredients in it, and it makes everything clean. Now, I've done that. I've washed things. I've had a white T-shirt that I've stuck some curry down. I've done all the things they do on the advert, and it never works. I've never, you know, I've, I've done all sorts of things and it never works. In the past, we used to have dads that apparently had a bluey whitener. Some of you remember that. But it's never worked. 
I've got, I may have thinking, you may have thinking, I'll never fit in, no one's interested, whatever you've tried before hasn't worked. The leper was unclean. Jesus' cleanness is bigger than our uncleanness. When his clean meets our dirt, guess which always wins? Yeah? The leper may have not fitted in, but Jesus touched him, Jesus healed him. The leper no longer had to avoid people, was no longer an outcast. He fitted in. If you look, he went off and he spread the word. He told people. That means he was near people. That means people listened. We're no different. We're just like lepers. We may in the past have not fitted in. Jesus can come in. He can wash away that thinking and we can fit in. Think about it. Jesus met a woman at a well. The woman was at the well at midday. She was all on her own getting water. Jesus was there. Jesus spoke to her. Why was the woman there at midday? Because no one else wanted to be around her. Women in that society went to get the water first thing in the morning. She had to go later. Why? Because she'd had umpteen husbands. Why? She was an outcast. We may be in that situation. Society doesn't accept us. Your thinking might be, I don't fit in. Jesus still wants a relationship with you. Follow that story through. The woman went away and told people and people came to Jesus. She had a testimony. The leper had a testimony. I didn't fit in. I had this thing which excluded me. Now I do. Jesus has changed me. But it wasn't just that. Zacchaeus. Yeah? What was he? He was a tax collector. He was a nasty, horrible, greedy little man who worked for the force that had overrun the Jewish nation and people didn't like him. Jesus went to his house. Didn't go over his short man syndrome, but he, he was accepted. One of Jesus' disciples, Matthew, what was he? A tax collector. Hands up who likes tax collectors. Point made. So, Jesus accepted them. Jesus accepts us. We can fit in his family. We may have thinking that says, I don't fit in. We should listen to what God says. God says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You may have been a surprise to your parents. You may have been the result of a coming together which wasn't planned, the result wasn't thought through, you've appeared. You might think, actually, I don't know if I was wanted. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knew you before you were born. So the world might say you don't fit in. To God, you fit in. We are all his children. Okay, that's that one. What else do we sometimes think? I'll never be able to stop it. It's got a hold of me. I used to go to meetings once or twice a week and I used to sit there and say, my name's Mark, I'm an alcoholic. It had me. First time I, Josh sat there on purpose. First time I came back to church after a little bit of a detour, I sat, actually, yeah, hang on, I'm never very good at right to left. Yes, I sat sort of there-ish, because I'd heard Josh plays the drums. So I came back to church, and I got up really early, and I came to church, and I sat there, and literally I was shaking, because I hadn't had a drink that day, and I was shaking. But I came and I thought, Josh is playing the drums. Tell you what, I'll embarrass him. I'll sit right at the front and I'll stare at him. 
So I know, and I had that thinking, I'll never be able to stop it, it's got me. And we, you might think that. There might be people here who might think that. You have got habits. You've got things that you do. And you might think, your thinking is, it's got me. I can't stop it. Let's have a look at another story. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. So they arrived at the other side of the lakes, this is Jesus and his disciples, in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of a cemetery, normal place to be, to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. He was under the control of something, wasn't he? Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him ran to meet him and bowed before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, What's your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. So, there's a bit more of the story. Let's meet it a little bit later on. So, let's have it carry on then. Verse uh, 15. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. They were all afraid. Those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. The crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had, who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful has been, he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told him. That man had to be tied up with chains that man broke out of his chains. How many times, if we're held by something, if we've got a habit that we can't stop, how many times have we tried to stop? We've been tied up with chains, metaphorically speaking, and we've broken out of them because we can't stop it. We might not be able to stop our behaviour. With me, it was drink. Other people, it might be drugs. I heard something on the radio the other day about in, during lockdown there's been an upturn in people with gambling addictions. So much so that apparently there, were, there are lots of examples of people who gamble online, so use their iPad, you'll use their phone or whatever, they'll have an account set up which limits their spending. So they use their kids' phones. They use other people's phones so they can keep going. Now, You'll be sitting there thinking, that's all right, I'm not a drug addict, I'm not an alcoholic, I don't gamble. What do you watch on the television? What do you do, husbands, when your wife's out? Wives, what do you do when your husband's out? What do you do in the bathroom when the door's shut? What do you do when no one's looking? We've all got things which might hold us. 
But Jesus came and he came to give us life to the full. That man was chained. He was held. He was tied up. He couldn't get over those things. Jesus came in. God in. Rubbish out. God in. God out. What happened at the end of that story? Let's have a look. Let me just read this. It was, I found this quite interesting. He said, the crowd soon gathered around Jesus. They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed. So if they noticed him fully clothed, how was he before? It was almost like I didn't recognise you with your clothes on. <laughs> now, this man was mad. Imagine this. Was Jesus horrified? Did Jesus step back when he saw this man, possessed as he was? Just imagine it. Mad eyes, cuts all over him, been bound by chains, he'd fought his way out, naked, running towards Jesus. Everything flapping all over the place. <laughs> that would be scary. Don't dwell on that thought. <laughs> but in all seriousness, if you had a man who lived among dead people, who could break out of chains, who was covered in cuts, who was mad and naked, run towards you, would you take a step back? If we see people who are obviously in the hold of something, do we take a step back? Did Jesus take a step back? If we've got something, if we're really honest, and there is something which may hold us, something which has got us, it might not be, like I said, something big. It might not be drugs, drink, something like that, it might be something smaller than that, but it's got us and we can't stop and when there's an opportunity that is our go-to thing to do. Jesus isn't embarrassed. To be honest, Jesus isn't surprised because God's watching you wherever you are, whatever you're doing. It's no surprise. But he can deal with it. That man went around the towns and he said, look what God has done for me. I was held. I may have had this thinking, I can't stop it. I've been able to stop it for years. But Jesus broke him out of that. What about another one? I'll never be well. I'm always ill. Let's have a look at another story. Later in Mark chapter 5. So, Mark chapter 5, verse 24. Jesus was following um, Jairus. And all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She'd suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years had spent everything she had to pay them but had got no better. In fact, she got worse. She heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed from her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at the crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realisation of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. 
That woman had suffered for years. She'd been to doctors. They couldn't do anything about it. She probably, I imagine, identified herself and she was certainly identified as possibly the bleeding woman. She probably left a bit of a mess behind her, if we're frank. She was in constant pain. She was probably a bit smelly. So she probably thought... I am the ill person. I will always be ill. I will never get better. Jesus met a man at the pool of Bethesda, or Bethsaida. And again, that man was lying there. And Jesus said, so why are you here? What are you doing? He said, well, I lie here, and I always lie here. Now, the, 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 the story was that an angel every now and then came and stirred up the water. The first person who got in there was healed. And the man was like, I just lie here. I've always been ill. I never get there first. Someone always gets in before me. I always have sort of this image of him, a bit like a sea lion. Sort of, I can't walk, so I'll just plop, and in I go. But he couldn't even do that fast enough. So it was almost like... I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm ill. I've always been ill. I'll never get better. Someone always gets there first. And Jesus said, well, what do you want? He said, I want to be healed. John 10, 10 says, the thief, the devil, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Jesus wanted that woman to have her life to the full. Jesus wanted that man by the pool of Bethesda to have his life to the full. Yeah, okay, the woman had been to the doctors. Yes, we, we sometimes have to go to doctors. That might be God's way of healing us or God's way of treating what we've got. But it's our mindset, isn't it? It's our, I'll never be well I'll never be able to do something because Jesus came for us to have life and us to have life to the full. What else do we sometimes think? Let's look at the next one. I'm too clever. I can't accept this. It might be that you've been to church, you've heard stuff, you think it's all too simple I'm far too intelligent. I know about science. I've read Genesis, but I'm really clever, and I know what all the science says. I can't accept it. I've read all of the miracles in the Gospels, and I'm, I'm medically trained. I can't accept that. That's all too simple and straightforward. You can't do that. So we might have to cut, we might come with our great intellect. Occasionally me and my brothers get together. I've got two younger brothers. Both of them are called Dr. Tree. They've both got PhDs. They're both reasonably um, nationally and internationally leading in what they do. They've both got wives. One of their wives is a consultant at a hospital, doctor, the other one, again, has a PhD and is a world-leading scientist looking at why twins genetically sometimes develop different diseases. So if you look her up on the internet, there's lots of stuff that she's done. So imagine, I teach people building. <laughs> So, you know, I go to, we have family get-togethers and Cindy and I, I'll draw Cindy into this, Cindy and I sit there and we haven't got a clue what they're on about. Doctors I don't, yeah, like, doctors do need houses. So it's like doctor, 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 me. <laughs> I do um, console myself with the fact, I remember when you wet yourself, I, you know, as, as children... <laughs> But they are very, very clever people, and we do have some reasonably intellectual discussions. 
And although sometimes I don't know what they're talking about, I probably couldn't even spell some of the words they just use casually in discussion. So we, I, and so I sit there and think, I'm not that clever. They are very clever. Certainly one of my brothers struggles with accepting the Bible. He was taught it as a child. He still hears it. He can't accept it because it is an affront to his intelligence. We may think that. Let's think about a couple of examples in the Bible, however. I put there John um, 3. That basically is Nicodemus. Nicodemus was very high up in um, religious circles in his time. He came to Jesus at night and he said, can you explain what's going on, please? He had lots of intellectual head knowledge, but he struggled. And Jesus said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus didn't really get the, the sort of... Um, the simplicity. He then started trying to think about a fully grown man getting back inside his mother, and which obviously, you know, is physically impossible. So he didn't get it because he was far too clever. But then if we actually look through the Bible at the other two times where Nicodemus was mentioned in John's Gospel, second time, Jesus was causing a bit of a ruckus in the temple, and the, the, the high-up people couldn't accept what he was saying. And Nicodemus stood up for Jesus and said, you know, you can't attack someone without allowing them to defend themselves. He stood up for him. The last time you see Nicodemus mentioned in John's Gospel, Jesus had died. Joseph of Arimathea came to collect the body because he was going to put him in his his tomb. And Nicodemus was there. And Nicodemus brought an enormous amount of spices, enough for a royal burial. I would like to think that over time, Nicodemus had been watching, had been seeing what was going on. Over time, he had come to accept that it's not necessarily um, that intellectually I'm struggling, but I'm watching what's going on. I'm seeing what's going on. He saw the testimony of the people who surrounded Jesus. He saw what was going on. Let's have a look at another very quick example. Philippians 3 Verses 1 to 9. But let's start actually at verse 4. This is Paul describing himself. He says, I could have been confident or could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. If others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm pure-blooded citizen of Israel, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded a strict obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous, I harshly persecuted the church. As for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable. He once thought... All the stuff he'd learnt, all the stuff he knew, all the stuff he'd been brought up to follow religiously was important. Let's carry on. But I now consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteousness through faith in Christ. 
Paul had a whole lot of qualifications. He was a very clever man. And yet he said in the end he counted them as garbage. He had a testimony. We all have had thoughts. We have things in our head which maybe limit us. God wants to set us free. God wants us free of that. They can result in a testimony, a story, which may be clever people who can't accept it. They can't argue with the story. I quite like sometimes watching detective um, sort of things. And you see the detective gathering evidence. He listens, he or she listens to testimony. What is testimony? Testimony is you recounting what has happened to you. It is not the solution. You don't have to fully understand the whole crime. In those things, you don't, they don't fully understand. They're not the person who pulls it all together. They just say what they have experienced, what they have seen. There may be people, you yourself, might say, I'm too clever. I can't accept all of this. But what have you seen? What, are, what can we say to other people? We can give our testimony. Poppy said she went and spoke to her ex-bosses. She had the answers. But what is the most important thing? Her testimony. What has God done for me? What can I show? So we might say, my thinking is, the garbage in my mind might be, I am too clever, I don't get this, I, I can't accept this. 1 Corinthians 1.27 says, But God chose the foolish thing of the world to shame the wise. God cho chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. So we have got thinking in our minds. We all have built up thoughts. We all have built up opinions. We have built up things which we have thought about ourselves over years, over what we've been told, over what we think. We might think, I'll never fit in. Jesus accepted everyone who came to him. He may have said, I know what you do, don't do it again, but I still accept you. We may have things that have got us. They might be big things, they might be comparatively small things. And we might be thinking, it's got me, I can't get away. Jesus came to set us free. We might be saying, I can't do this because I'm always ill. Because I can't, I'm limited. Jesus came that we may have life and live it to the full. We might think, I'm too clever, I can't accept this. God chose the weak things. So, what should we be thinking? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. But let's look back at verse 16. Do 17 first. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone, the new life has begun. Maybe this morning is a time where the garbage that you've had in your mind, the thing you thought about yourself, the things other people have said over you, needs to be cleared out. Christ wants, Jesus wants to come and make you a new person. Your old life has gone, your new life can begin. Verse 16, I know we're doing it backwards. 16 says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. There may be things which are in your mind. There may be things that have been said over you. 
There may be things you think about yourself. Maybe this morning, God is speaking to you and saying, you might have thought that, you might think that, that might limit you, but I've come to give you life. I've come to give you life to the full. You can have a new mind. You can be renewed. You can stop doing those things which maybe you used to do. Those things don't have to hold you because Jesus wants you free. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you have said that you have come to give us life and life to the full. Father, I thank you that you are greater in us than he's that's in the world. I thank you, Father, that although the devil has come to kill, to steal, to destroy, you've come to give us life, and you've come to give us life to the full. Father, if there is anyone here that maybe is held by something, limited by something, I pray that you will just convict them of that. And Lord, I thank you that you will heal them. I thank you, Lord, that when you come in, all the other stuff has to go out. I thank you, Father, that you are here, you are working, and you are speaking. Lord, we just admit some of our bad thinking, some of our wrong thinking to you. And Father, I thank you that you want us whole. You want us living for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. That was great. Very thought-provoking, very challenging. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. I want to give people the opportunity that, that struggle with stuff. And we all struggle with stuff. We've just done a series of free indeed. And, and I know there are a lot of people that are still not free from things that hold them back. And God wants you to set you free from all of those things. And I believe he can. And I believe he's able to if we're willing to say, I, I can't do this anymore, Lord, I need help. And if that's you, we'd like to pray for you after the service. If there's, you know, things been spoken over you, words that have condemned you and judged you, and you don't feel worthy, you don't feel good enough, you don't feel like you fit in, you don't feel like you can accept everything that Jesus has done for you, well, we want to pray for you after the service, and we'll wait for you. If you want to be prayed for, just come forward, and, and we'll pray for you. But before um, we do that, I just want to just ask, is... Uh, for those people here this morning who maybe feel they're not part of God's family, they don't, they don't know God like, uh, like Christians know God. They, they feel they're not part of God's family. And I believe you're not here by accident this morning. And I, and I feel that God has been knocking on the door of your heart. Do you want to know him? Do you want to serve him? Do you want God to love you? And he does love you. And maybe you think, well, I don't know how God can love me for all the things that I've done, all the things that are going on in my life. If God really knew me, would he really love me? Well, he does know you. He knows everything that's gone on in your life, and he wants you. And I believe God is knocking on the door of your heart, and the handle to that door is on the inside, and God wants to come in. Is that you today? You want to feel part of God's family? You can today by accepting him as your Lord and your Savior. If that's you today, I'd just like to pray a simple prayer, um, and uh, you can say that prayer after me. Could, could we all say this together? Just say this after me. Say, Father God, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. Lord Jesus, I believe you love me and that you died for me. I believe you were buried and I believe you, were ro you rose from the dead. Jesus, I ask you into my life now. Come and save me. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that prayer, that's the first part of your journey to being born again, to being saved, to being, becoming a Christian. But then there's the process of, of learning all about God and coming to church and getting involved in life groups and the life of the church. And lastly, I want to talk to those who maybe have given up on God, but you're here today and you've not been going to church. Maybe you're disillusioned with church. Maybe you've been hurt by a church. And maybe you feel that, you know, you, God's been speaking to you through this message today and that's resonated with your heart. We know God wants you back as well. And if you'd got, give God another chance, uh, just give him a chance because he loves you and wants to uh, set you free and bring you back into God's his family again. So if that's you, I believe I'm speaking to you today. So I'm going to close the service and then pray for people afterwards. Father God, we come in the precious name of Jesus. We thank you for today that we could come to worship a true living God, the one true God who lives forever and is alive in us. Father God, I thank you as we go right now that your angels encamp around about us, keep us safe and free from harm until we can meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Just a couple of things. Please come for the baptism next week. It's three o'clock. Um, we'll give you the location. I see in our email the location isn't there. So look at your emails this week. We'll send out a message to, uh, so you can find the place. It's in Playford. It's very local. It's a lovely setting. There's a big barn. They've got a pool outside. So we're going to baptize. Anyone, anyone else wants to be baptized, please come and speak to me afterwards. And we can talk about that. We've got a teaching on Tuesday night if you'd like to join that as well. So have a great time of fellowship. Be good to speak to you guys afterwards. Bless you as you go. And we'll see you soon. Thank you so much for joining us at Fields Church. We hope that you've enjoyed it. If you'd like to get any more information, get in contact, or have any prayer requests, please visit fieldschurch.uk or drop us an email at hello at fieldschurch.uk.